You're now listening to Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. It is a, a month, a month away from Christmas. Today is the 24th, correct? We are a month away from Christmas. What are you guys getting me? <laughs> you took too long to leave, so I just had to pick on you there. Uh, Christmas is fast approaching, and it got me thinking about, uh, oh, thank you. Got me thinking about something that happens a lot at Christmas time, and you'll all know that this happens. People get kinder. Have you noticed? Seriously. Have you noticed? People just seem to get kinder. And so it got me thinking about we're a month away from Christmas, and I want to give you a a kindness challenge, and we're going to talk about it today. Uh, As we're, uh, in fact, next Sunday is the the first Sunday of December. It's It's also the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is the Christmas season, the coming of, of the Savior, and uh, week one is actually next week, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit next week. But today as we prep, we're right on the verge of the Christmas season, and it seems to me that Christmas and kindness go together, and I want to talk about that today. I want to look at a couple of verses. Uh, put up for me Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. If you have a bulletin, you'll see an outline there, and you can follow... You can follow along, and uh, the small group questions are there as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And the other uh, portion I want to read is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, come on, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is a a very powerful chunk of Scripture. Uh, I've spoken about the fruits of the Spirit before. Each one is, is multiple sermons in themselves. But today I wanted to focus on kindness. God was kind to us by sending Jesus. We know that, we recognize that, we've received that into our lives. And now, uh, Paul is encouraging us, uh, particularly in Ephesians chapter 4, now he's saying, pass that on. The kindness that you've received, pass it on. The forgiveness that you've received, pass it on. He's saying, the whole point is to pass it on, right? The, the, uh, and isn't it funny, it got me thinking, Kindness can be so simple 
and so obviously the right thing to do, but yet it is so easy to overlook and so easy to forget. The key point that Paul is making here in Ephesians 4 in regards to kindness is that we are to treat others with a genuine kindness because of the kindness that we have received from Jesus himself. The Bible actually has a lot to say about this subject. Paul told the Colossians in chapter 3, he said, I want you to clothe yourself with kindness, he says. Kindness means to be useful, it means to be helpful, it means to be considerate, to be gracious in all circumstances. We all, we all get what kindness is and what it should be. But I wanted to make a distinction today because I think it needs to be made. Compassion is the feeling and kindness is the action. You with me? Compassion is the feeling, but kindness is the action. And so we're going to talk about that just in a, a little bit more. But I wanted to look at three Bible stories that demonstrate kindness in a real clear way to just sort of inspire us to, to pass this gift of kindness on to others. We have received it, and this is the gift, right? That it, it, it benefits both the giver and the receiver. It is a gift that we've received, and it's a gift that we are to pass on. So there's three stories that I wanted to look at real quick. There's a ton, but here's just three that came to mind. Uh, the first one is found in the book of Ruth, and it's a story about Ruth and Boaz. And, and uh, here's the story. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, as it happened, as it happened, meaning it's the luck of the Lord, meaning not, ha not just happened, right? Not random, right? So she, she happens to find herself in a field that belongs to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. And while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Boaz asked his foreman, who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. See, so what happens is, let me give you a little of the backstory. There's this famine, a bad famine going on in Israel. 
And a man named Elimelech takes his wife, Naomi, to a foreign country along with his two sons. They, they all move to Moab. It's a pagan nation. It's about 50 miles away, but the, 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 the famine wasn't as bad there. And so he moved everybody there. So he stayed there a long time. So their two sons grow up, and, then, and they marry. And they marry two Moabite women because that's where they live. That's where they are. And so uh, they marry these two women. One is named Orpah, and the other one is named Ruth. Now, tragedy hits, and Elimelech, the dad, and both of his sons die. Uh, suddenly, the Bible doesn't say how or why. It just says all three of them died. And it left Naomi, the mother, and Ruth and Orpah, the two young uh, girls. They, all three of them were now widows. And so Naomi decides that it's time for her to return to Israel. She's got nothing here anymore. Her family is gone. The, fam the famine is over, and she says, I got, I got to go back home. And she tells the two girls, Ruth and Orpah, you stay here. This is your home. I'm going to go. You stay here and carry on with your lives. It, 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 it's a sordid mess, but what happens is Orpah eventually decides to, to stay and to carry on with her life in Moab, but Ruth refuses to leave Naomi. She says, I will not leave. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God. And so she simply refuses to leave Naomi alone, and she leaves everything she knows, and she, she uh, travels back to Israel with Naomi. Now, you have to understand, Naomi is now getting older. She can't work. Uh, they're both widows. They have no way, uh, they have no husband, no sons, nobody to su support them and give them cash or food. They move back to Israel, and they have nothing. And so Ruth says to, Nao uh, uh, to Naomi, look, I'll go out in the fields and I'll see if I can pick up the scraps of grain as they're harvesting and that'll hopefully give us enough uh, food to eat. And so this is what's going on. So Ruth is kind to Naomi by coming back with her, right? And Boaz hears about the kindness of Ruth and, and he is kind to her. Isn't that a beautiful picture of how kindness is supposed to be. See, we think we have it all cool. People talk about pay it forward, you know. Somebody buys you a coffee in the Tims and you should buy the next guy. Dude, this has been happening since Ruth chapter 2, right? Nothing is new under the sun. This has been going on because this is what kindness does, right? It inspires us. Naomi is incredibly, uh, incredibly blessed by Ruth. And Ruth goes out to work, and she just happens to find a field where Boaz, a relative, is working, and he is kind to her. You see, to go out into a field as a young woman, especially as a widow, was incredibly dangerous. She could have been raped, killed. I mean, this is why he said, don't go anywhere. You stay right here. I've told the men not to touch you, and you'll be okay here. He's incredibly kind, right? So she's kind to Naomi, and Boaz is kind to Ruth. And you can read all the details, but you know what happens, most of you. There's a love story involved. And Boaz and Ruth fall in love, and they get married, and Ruth has a baby boy, and, and their baby boy's name is Obed. And the cool part of the story is Obed is the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, right? And so here's Ruth a Moabite 
pagan person who shows kindness, accepts Naomi and accepts the God of Naomi. And now she's the great-grandmother of King David in the line of Jesus. Great kindness was shown to her as she showed great kindness. Second story, David and the son of Jonathan. Now, his name is weird, okay? It's Mephibosheth. That's pretty good, eh? Yeah, Mephibosheth. Maybe we should just call him like uh, Mebo or something. But uh, look at the story here, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Here's the story. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he's crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, uh, Ziba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's home. His name was Mephibosheth, and he was Jonathan's son, and Saul's grandson, that is quite a handle. Please, if you're having a baby, please. Could I, if I could just recommend, that's a really tough name to spell. Just saying. Okay? When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Now, just stop there for a second. Jonathan and David were really good friends. And, and uh, before Jonathan was killed, David and Jonathan made a pact together that they would be loyal, that they would show kindness and love to each other no matter what happened. And even they said, if you go back, it says, even to our children and to our children's children, we are making a pact together that we will show kindness and love to each other no matter what. And so now Jonathan is, got killed in the war. Saul is dead. And now David is trying to hold to his promise, okay, of being kind. And so he searches out Mephibosheth, and this is what happens. So he says, uh, I, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Isn't that pretty cool? So... The story of Mephibosheth is, uh, is a tragic one. There was, uh, so, uh, there was a fighting going on, and a, and a nurse picked him up, like a, a lady picked him up when he was a baby and was running him out, and she fell, and he smashed onto the ground, and his both legs were crippled, and he was uh, 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 just obviously a handicapped person, and David finds him and makes good on his promise. And so the, the kindness, by the way, could you imagine you have a crippled man who can't work? You could imagine the state of his life back in those days. And all of a sudden, he goes from a nobody to a nothing, can't work with no food, nothing, struggling to make ends meet. And now he's given all the property that his grandfather once had, and every night he gets to eat with the king. Not too bad. Not too bad. So David shows incredible kindness and changes uh, 
Mephibosheth's life forever. Story number three. You know this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Let me, let me just read it to you quick. Luke chapter 10. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant or a Levite, uh, some, uh, sometimes they were called, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them, and he took the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. These, there's, there's two guys who should have stopped but they keep going. And the hated Samaritan, the last guy on the planet you think would have stopped, stops and shows kindness. You know, helping this Jewish man up out of the ditch, you know, he knows it's going to cost him time. It's going to cost him money, right? It's going to be inconvenient. He has no promise of being reimbursed, and he probably won't even get thanked for doing it but he does it anyway. Kindness. Let me, so there's three examples. Now, let me go through some of this stuff quick so you get this. What will kindness do? I was thinking about what happens when we are a person who is committed, and I mean, by the way, when, I, when I'm talking about kindness, I'm talking about intentional kindness, not just you know, sometimes we do random things that are kind. But I mean looking for ways to be kind, right? Intentional kindness. And the first thing this kind of kindness will do is it will cost you something. It may be money. It may be time. It may be effort, energy. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. It might require you to follow up on somebody. Like the Good Samaritan, you know, followed up with this guy. It might mess up your plans. It might, it might totally wreck your schedule for the day. You might get taken advantage of by being kind. You might be misunderstood. People might think that you're weak because you're kind. You might even get rejected because you're trying to be kind. But real kindness is supposed to cost us something. If it doesn't cost us anything, then I'm not sure how great the kindness was. See, kindness to, in the Bible, it's a serious matter. It's a gift that we have been given, and it's a gift that we are asked to pass along. We didn't deserve God's kindness, but he gave it to us anyway. And in response to receiving his kindness, we are to freely give it to others. It should cost us something. It will cost us something. And this nonsense of saying we can be kind, really kind, and not have it cost us anything 
is, I think, nonsense. This is what I call, I just made this up, okay? But this is how I look at it. I actually call, I call it kindness light, all right? Meaning this, like, I'm going to, you know, oh, I held the door open for the, uh, for the uh, older lady as I was walking into Shopper's Drug Mart. Well, it just so happens that she was right behind you and it cost you 3.5 seconds. And then you walk away saying, yeah, I'm kind. Really? You know what I mean? Kindness light, you know? Buying your guy at work a coffee. I mean, that's nice and it's kind, but it's light. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about something that costs us something. Something a little bit deeper, something a little bit more powerful. Kindness versus kindness light. This is, this is how I uh, differentiate it in my own mind. So what else will kindness do? It will, it will require action. Kindness will take action. Kindness will serve. Kindness will give. Kindness will share. It will supply something to somebody that is lacking. Sometimes all that's needed to be kind is just a kind word. I'm not saying kindness light is useless. All I'm saying is, is look for ways to do it greater. But sometimes when we're trying to intentionally be kind, sometimes all that's needed is just a kind word to make somebody's day. It takes five seconds to say something kind to somebody, and you never know how that might impact somebody in a great way. See, having compassion is good. Let me just touch on that again. But it's really only the first step towards kindness. And here's what we do, believers. Sometimes we let ourselves off the hook because we feel compassion. But we don't actually do anything about it. We are looking at the starving child on the TV. We might well up with tears and feel emotional. We feel compassionate. Something needs to be done. And we let ourselves off the hook because we feel compassion. But the compassion doesn't lead to kindness. It's not kindness. Sometimes we let ourselves off the hook by just letting ourselves feel the compassion, but not letting the compassion compel us to actually be kind, right? So kindness is actually doing something. It's not feeling something, it's doing something. Somebody said yes, you with me, right? It's action, all right? Here's uh, number three, what, will, what else will kindness do? It's going to make our faith credible. It's going to make our faith credible. See, those who claim to live for Jesus and have the Holy Spirit and have the fruits of the Spirit supposedly growing in us, one of those fruits is kindness. It's supposed to be growing in us. It's a trait that Jesus had. He went about doing good. Doing good. That's what it says. And he commands us to do the same and to grow in it, to grow stronger in it, to look for ways to do good and to be kind. So followers of Jesus should be leading the way in this world. We should be leading the way in showing kindness to others. And when we don't do it, shame on us. How can we claim to be transformed, changed people if it doesn't show in our lives? It's just not so. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 says this. 
love your enemies. Do, do, do. Don't forget do. Don't just feel compassion for them. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be, you'll truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Do you understand? If we can show love and kindness to enemies, to people that are difficult and challenging, it marks you as peculiar. Because nobody does that. And this is what we, we got to be leading the way in. We love, we show kindness, we do good things. You mean even to the idiot who's in the cubicle beside me? Yes! Even to the boss who, yes! But even to the old lady who just crabs across the street, yes! Yes. If we show love and kindness to the difficult people, it marks us as different. See, kindness is attractive, by the way. It's powerful. It opens doors. It makes your testimony credible and real. It, it, it ignites everything that you do. It earns us the right to be heard. It earns us the right to be taken seriously. See, shouting and yelling and, 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 and picketing and demanding that the world listen to us, it's not getting us very far. It doesn't get us very far. But if we walk down and do something kind, I believe that it makes our faith a lot more credible. So Jesus said, Jesus said to the man who asked him, who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And then at the end of the story, he says to the man, so, which person was the neighbor to the man who was attacked? And the man said, the one who showed him mercy, right? And then Jesus said this, go and do the same. That's you. That's me. Okay, got to go. One last thing. It will point to Jesus. This, this, is, this is kindness done by a believer. Kindness can be done by anybody, but believers need to be doing kind things that will point people to Jesus because that is the greatest kindness and the greatest gift we could ever give somebody, and somebody said amen. And so we have to give kindness for a reason, and the reason is, of course, just to be kind is a good one. But the, the, the point is, is it points people to Jesus. Kindness is not supposed to be done by us to elevate our reputation. It's not supposed to be done to make us look good, right? Real kindness that comes from a believer actually points people to the glory of God. Somebody say, why are you doing this? Because God has been good to me and I want to pass it on to you, right? This gives God glory in your act of kindness. This week and through the Christmas season, I'm going to challenge us to do some kind acts. But if somebody responds, why are you doing this? Respond something like that. Because God's been good to me, and I want to pass it on to you. Simple. 
but powerful, right? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. It says this, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So when we show kindness, we do it for his glory. When we do this, we do it for his glory. Okay? So, it, it points people to Jesus. Be- believing kindness, Christian kindness, it's got to point people to Jesus and to make sure that it's not you who's getting the credit for it. People don't walk away saying, you're the most wonderful person. I mean, they will, and that's wonderful, and that's good, but you have to make sure that you're redirecting that to Jesus as best you can. God's been good to me, and I wanted to pass it on to you. So here's some barriers. Because kindness is so important, uh, and, and because it, it's, it's actually uh, uh, just a key in how we express our faith and how we can be more impactful in expressing that faith, it, it, it sort of behooves us to look at, I love that word, I, just made, I didn't make it up, but it just came to me. It behooves us. I think that's King Jimmy, isn't it? That, that's, a, that's a King James word. But uh, we have to look at some barriers that hinder us from being kind. Because there are some, right? I know that I'm talking to a room full of very kind people. I know that you've all done kind things. Join the world, right? What I'm asking us to do is to grow in it. What I'm asking us to do is to do it intentionally. What I'm asking us to do is when we do it, make sure we're pointing people to Jesus and God gets the glory for it. That's what I'm asking us to do. So here's some barriers that hinder us from doing it. And you'll see in your outline, the first one there I put down is fear. Fear instead of love will always keep us from being kind. We're afraid and it hinders us from being kind. Sometimes we're afraid of taking the risk. Sometimes we're afraid of giving the money. Sometimes we're afraid of the obligation that being kind might mean, meaning if I'm kind to this guy, that, mean, that might mean like I have to get involved in his life. So like it's easier for me just to walk away. You know, that's fear, indifference, pathetic apathy on our part. But, but, but fear stops us, right? Fear paralyzes us from moving forward with kind actions. And then we let ourselves get away with compassion. See? Then we just walk away and go, well, I felt compassion for him. And somehow that makes me feel better. I'm going to leave him right there, but I felt bad. Jesus, you know I felt bad. Fear, it paralyzes us from moving forward. We have compassion, but we can't be afraid to act on it. Kindness must rise up from our compassion. Second, I wrote down negative thinking. And I said, I I put down negative thinking because I read this stat this week that said 77% of an average person uh, 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 in the world, I guess, I don't know, it didn't say, but 77% of of a person's internal self-talk is negative. 77% of the things that you think about yourself or say about yourself is negative. And I want, I, I, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's a serious problem. 
it's a serious problem that we have with being negative. And can I just be honest? We got to get over it. It is time to get over it. We can't be kind when all we do is think negative thoughts. See, this negative thoughts and negative thinking stops kindness in its tracks, right? Because we think things like this. Well, that's not, that won't make a difference. He's just going to waste it anyway. It won't work. They won't even say thank you. Won't even be worth my money. I'm too small. I can't make a difference in this person's life. All negative thinking, right? All wrong thinking, shall I add, right? It stops kindness in its tracks. It's the classic. One, <laughs> I just love it when people see somebody, a homeless person, and they don't want to give that person five bucks. He's just going to waste it on drugs, you know. He's just going to blow it on alcohol. Well, maybe he will, but you know what? Maybe he won't. And, and, and even if he does, it still doesn't stop you from being kind, right? So it's, it's just this negative stuff that stops us from being kind, and it is a barrier that hinders us, right? So fear, negative thinking, and I wrote down a third one. There's a lot, okay? But I wrote down a third one, impatience. Not, not my best trait. <laughs> See, but here's the thing. When you think of a kind person, someone that you know, think about it now in your own life. Think about somebody that you know that you would describe as a very kind person. Just think of that person. And I was, I was doing it this week, and as I was doing that, I thought, when I'm thinking about kind people in my life, the chances are really good that that person is a very patient person as well. I don't know if you've ever connected those two, but I actually didn't until this week when I was thinking about it. And as I was thinking about kind people, I was struck by how often they were patient and how that must be a key to letting kindness come out of my life. And impatience then would be a barrier that would hinder me from being kind. Like, like we say, hurry is the enemy of our soul, right? Hurry is the enemy of our soul. And I believe that impatience, it, it makes it difficult for kindness to flourish in our lives. It makes it difficult. As the great theologian Sweet Brown said, ain't nobody got time for that. Right? That lady is awesome, by the way. But, but you, know what I, you know what I mean? Come on, think about it. How often has your rush, has your impatience hindered you from being kind? Think about it. Right? Right? Slow down. Breathe. Calm down. You're not that important. And the meeting can wait five minutes for you to do something kind. At the end of the day, that five-minute act of kindness will be much more important than the meeting that you're rushing to. Trust me. <laughs> Slow down and take the time to let the compassion of Jesus that is in you, and I know it is in you, you've got to let it come out in kind action. 
Kindness is going to cost you something. And those of us that can be a little in a hurry and be impatient, one of the things that we need to be aware of as a hindrance is that kindness may cost us time. Time is a gift that we need to be willing to spend in order to be kind. It's the cost that it may be required for you to be kind. So those are some barriers. You can think of a few others. And in your small groups this week, you'll see the questions. And I encourage you to just interact with some of these things. Um, so lastly then, how to grow in kindness. So we've, we've, we've seen examples in the Bible, stories in the Bible where kindness is, is good, that God requires it. Jesus says, go and do the same, right? We've talked about what kindness will do. It's going to cost. It's going to take action. It's going to make our faith credible. It's going to point to Jesus, looked at some hindrances. But at the end of the day, how do we grow in this, right? How do we get better in this? And there's, again, lots of ways, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be here forever, and neither do you, because you're so impatient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just calm down and relax. What are you in a hurry for? You're just going to have lunch? Seriously. What's 10 more minutes? not going to hurt you. Calm down. Speaking to myself. Yeah, right. Right. So how do we grow? How do we grow in kindness? How do we do it? I, I, I just thought of two simple ways. The first is we've got to surrender to the Holy Spirit. We've got to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. Put up for me Galatians chapter 5. But the, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Can you just go back to verse 22 for a second? I want you to notice something that I was looking at this week. I was, I was just trying to pay attention to the particular order of the fruits of the Spirit. And he starts with love, joy, peace, and patience, and then he comes to kindness. And I was looking at it saying, kindness is actually my love, my joy, my peace, and my patience put into action. That's why I was looking at it this week. That, 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 the, that if the Holy Spirit is producing love in me, right? That's, how's that going to come out? It's going to come out, you know, in kindness. I, anyway, I was, I was fooling around with that. But love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Kindness is, is those things, love, and joy and peace and patience in action. And there it is. So you've got to let the Holy Spirit grow these things in you, right? Child of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So fruit, right, will grow from a healthy tree. As the, true, as the tree puts its roots down into the soil and gets the moisture and the nutrients that it requires, it will produce fruit in due season. So this is the kind of fruit that is supposed to be growing in our lives as we put our roots down into Jesus, right? He's saying the Holy Spirit will do this in you. You'll see the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. You'll see that growing in your life. It will be a natural result 
of the work of the Spirit. If he's alive and well in your life, guess what's going to happen? He's going to produce this stuff. That's what's going to happen. So we have to understand that we've got to surrender to that. We've got, we've got to grow in it. We've got to say, bring it on, right? Some of these things, the fruits of the Spirit, some of them we're going to be better at than others. That's just the way it is, right? But go through the list and say, okay, well, Lord, I'm okay at love. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty peaceful. But man, I'm not very patient. Lord, help me. This is a fruit of the Spirit. This is a gift that you want to give me, something that I need to be better in, right? Whatever yours is, self-control. Oh, my goodness, does the world need that? We have none right? Go through the list. How to grow in kindness. You've got to surrender to the work of the Spirit. Kindness is something that we should be growing in. And lastly, pra practice. It's, a, it's just two simple things of how to grow in kindness. So surrender to the work of the Spirit that he wants to grow that fruit in your life. And second, practice. We're talking about practice? We, practice, yeah. We're talking about practice? Practice, yeah. Practice. Look it up, those of you who didn't get that. All right. The fruits of the Spirit should be growing together. All of them grow together, like I said, but some are going to grow faster than others. But kindness is something that actually can be practiced, okay? It can be practiced. And check this out. I, I think I... I hope I made this, uh, put it down in your notes. But I was thinking, don't miss this. We are made kind by being kind. Right? Take that line with you. We are made kind by being kind. Show kindness, practice kindness, and guess what happens? It grows in your life. Right? You are made kind by being kind. So... Let me tell you uh, a couple of stories. And I, by the way, um, I, I can be a little bit emotional. I'm a bit of a softy, as most of you know. And I was, I was looking this week of, I just went to YouTube and I typed in the search bar, stories of kindness. Okay? Uh, have a box of Kleenex with you. And then just take an hour, take some time, relax. And watch some stories. I was, I, was, I was sitting in my office. I was walking around looking for Kleenex. Where's the Kleenex? I was wiping my eyes. I mean, yes, people were giving coffee. People were, were you know, buying groceries. But there was unbelievable things people were doing. A, a, a single mom who found out that she had terminal cancer and had months to live. She went to her neighbors and said, would you adopt my three children? I'm dying in two months. And the man and wife said, of course we will. And they adopted her kids and made them a part of their home. And I was just bawling. Like, I was just weeping, right? Like, people were, like, doing incredible acts of kindness, way over and above the call of duty, 
right? They weren't letting themselves off with feeling compassion for a single mom who was dying of cancer and has no family and letting her kids go into, go into you know, uh, some kind of uh, an adoption agency or wherever they might have gone. No, they said, you know what, we're going to step up and we're going to take your kids, you know? There are stories of adoption. There are stories of, of uh, a guy who, who um, he, he was called to work and his car broke down and he didn't want to let his boss down, so he walked 20 miles to get to his job site. When he got there and the boss heard what he did, the boss bought him a new car, right? And it's like unbelievable, amazing stories. Seriously, just, it was way better than whatever, except, like, watch the Grey Cup, because I'm going to watch the Grey Cup tonight. But, but another time this week, go to YouTube, just type in stories of kindness, and take a half an hour, have a cup of coffee, and sit there, and you'll be inspired by what people do with their lives, with their talent, with their time, and with their money. And I was sitting there saying, Lord, we have to lead the way in this. We've got to do this. We've got to do it in such a way that it points people to Jesus, right? I, I found this story, and I wanted to read it to you. As these two men, won't go into the details, but this is a true story. Two men from a church down in the States, and this church had a, a like a pantry, a food pantry in, in their building, and they would give out groceries to people in their neighborhood who were in need. And they would give the food out to anybody who would ask. It didn't matter race, color, religion. Any, if you were in need, they'd give it to you, no questions asked. And so one day, these two men were going to make a delivery of a couple of bags of groceries to a house. And on their way, um, they were they were uh, dismayed, shall we say, to find out, uh, in fact, they, they considered not making the stop because the lady's house they were going to, she was a fortune teller, and they were kind of creeped out going to her house. But they decided to do it anyway. Her niece, this fortune teller's niece, had called the church and said, my aunt is really desperate, and she really needs the, uh, the food, and you'll you'll go regardless of somebody's faith, right? And the church said, of course we will. And so these two men went. They agreed to go. And so they, the food was left and they began to leave. And as they began to leave, the niece was there and they said, you know, uh, can we pray for you before we leave? And so she said, yes. Nobody in the house is Christian. Nobody's a believer. And so these two men took just 30 seconds just to pray the love of God and the blessing and the favor of God on this niece and to thank her for caring for her aunt. And while they were praying, just a very short prayer, they said, um, the, the lady, the, the fortune teller lady, and, and, and a number of her customers were in the, in the room and they stopped and they, and they listened to the prayer that these two men prayed. And when they prayed and when they said amen, a customer who came to get his fortune read walked over to the men and said, hey, would you guys pray for me? And they said, yeah, of course we will. And then they prayed for him, and guess what? The next guy said, hey, would you pray for me too? They ended up praying for everybody in the house, and eight people got saved that day because they took groceries to a house, right? 
It's a really cool story. I don't have the time to tell you, but that's, the, that's basically what happens, all right? You know, it's like, have you heard the story of the boy, you know, um, it's an old story and uh, a neat story, but it still makes the point. It's the story of the boy and the starfish. You know, it seems that after a terrible night storm, the sea had churned itself up so much that hundreds of starfish had washed up on the shore along the beach. And the next morning, a man was walking the beach, and he saw this little boy picking up starfish after starfish and throwing them back into the sea. And he walked over to the boy, and he said, Son, do you know that there's hundreds and hundreds of starfish on this beach? You can't possibly make a difference. And the little boy just simply looked at him, picked up another starfish, and threw it back into the water. And he said, Mister... I made a difference for that one. See, in a world where there is so much pain, where there's so much turbulence and tragedy, it seems to me that one small act of kindness, though it seems to be insignificant, can actually make a powerful difference in somebody's life. And so what I'm asking us to do as we close today. What I'm asking us to do, we're heading into the Christmas season. I would like us to have a Christmas challenge. Not that there's a game or a prize. You get no money for it. But just a challenge to ourselves of going above and beyond the call of duty to show intentional kindness to the people that we come across for the next month. And this is what I'd actually love to do. After the new year and maybe the first or second Sunday of January, we'll see how we do it. I would love to have some people come up and just give like some little bullet testimonies of some of the things that you did and some of the cool things that happened because of what you did. Not that you'll get the glory, but that the glory goes to Jesus. God has been good to me, and I just simply want to pass it on to you. Right. And so I would love to do that. And I challenge you to do that. But let me just say this. I, I don't I include some stuff, you know, do some do some kindness light. That's OK. But what I'm asking, what I'm asking is for you to consider doing something that's not easy. And I want you to pray about it and I want you to think about it. And I want this to be thrown in as a caveat as well. Don't just do it to strangers. This is what I mean. It's, it's, it's really easy. Why is it so easy to be kind to somebody you don't know and to be so unkind to the people that actually matter to you? You with me? We're kindness to the person in the store, and as soon as we get home, we, hey, open the door, ah! <laughs> Help me with the groceries. Get out of here. And two minutes ago, you were saying, are you okay, ma'am? I'll just hold the door open for you. Huh? You're laughing because you know it's true. Huh? Listen. Listen. Our kindness challenge is this. I want you to be kind in all ways. Small groups, I want you to take some time this week, actually brainstorm about how you can do some of this stuff. But, but I, want, I want it to include... 
I want it to include kindness, of course. That's what we're doing. But I want it, I want it to be more than just kindness light, okay? And I want it to be done to more than just a stranger. See, because I have this, this, I had this thought. Those that you're around every day, family, friends, people that you work with, they're the ones to whom that we can be the most unkind to. And they're probably the ones that deserve our kindness the most. Somebody said amen. Your mother, teenager, she's a saint. You may not think so, but man, she's so kind to you. Come on. It's true. And when you're 15, you just don't think about it, but you should. Don't just be kind to the teacher. Don't just be kind, you know, to the person walking out of Tim's. How about being kind to your mom? How about being kind to your sister? How about being kind to your dad? How about being kind to your brother? Even your brother? Even your brother. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Those of us... Those that we're around every day, at work and in our home, these are the people that we can be the most unkind to. And I, I want us to practice kindness. I want us to take the next month and a bit. And in January, I believe, honestly, if we take this seriously, that we're going to have a long line of people, no sermon that day, just stories of kindness, of what God has done, and the great things that happened as you went out of your way to show intentional kindness. Do it. Do it deeper than kindness light and do it to more than just a stranger. See, it makes a better story when we say, oh, it was a random stranger and I did this and they said thank you and I said, well, God's been good to me and so I want to pass it on to you. But And then you go home and you yell at your wife and you are unthankful and ungrateful and unkind. It's, it's, it needs to be, needs to be all-encompassing. So I know it makes for a better story, but, you know, maybe a cool story in January is a guy walking up here and saying, yeah, uh, well, I took that kindness uh, challenge seriously. I went home, and I was incredibly kind to my wife. I did the dishes. I made supper, and I looked after her, and I did way more than I normally do. Now, that's not going to blow anybody's mind except his wife right? But guess what? Do it. Do it. Now, um, oh, it's 11. Okay, it's 11.40. Now, I, I'm done, and, and, and we're going to dismiss, okay? We're not going to sing songs. This is our, this is our, um, our sort of uh, altar response takeaway time. What I want us to do is, is we're not going to do it yet, but what I want us to do is literally stand to our feet just before God and say, I'm in. I want to do this. And I want to take the next six weeks or so. And I want to intentionally go over and above the call of duty to show kindness to all those who are around me. And if you want to do that, if you're in, then I, I want us to stand together or we'll raise our hand or something. And, we'll, and, and I just want to pray that God would give you the strength. He would give you the courage. And he would give you the wisdom to know when and how to do this and the opportunity. You're, you're, you're going to be amazed at how many opportunities are going to come your way. When you ask the Lord sincerely, 
Lord, can you give me opportunities that, uh, and ways that I can be kind to people? He's like, oh, yeah, I am ready to do that. You know, he's into that. Thanks for listening to Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.